week one in, in our seed series, we talked about what keeps us from understanding. How many of y'all know that sometimes I can preach something um, or you can hear something, but really it depends on the, the nature of your heart and, and how you receive it that actually allows you to understand this. We talked about that in week one. Week two, we talked about how you grow um, in, um, in faith and the idea of faith and how it works like a seed that it can be planted in your heart. Um, just like doubt can be planted, anxiety can be planted, fear can be planted, faith can be planted, and it can grow in your life. Last week, we talked about the, I, I would say, maybe the most famous idea for a seed, which is sowing and reaping. Today, we're going to talk about, um, I, I would say, something maybe more unique in the sense that it's going to cause you to reflect on your own life. We call it introspective, which means we want you to look at, here's, how, here's the goal for today. As I teach this message and walk through certain points, I want you to think about yourself. This is a, this is not an elbow message. Okay. You know how like you come in and you're like, this, this is for you. You know, like this, this is for you. This is not that this today more than anything is a me message. Ever say me. This is about who you are in the kingdom, who you are in the kingdom. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Again, another Jesus moment, a Jesus parable. And verse 24 says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. This is important. We're going we're gonna to compare and contrast types of seed. And he said, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So there was good seed and the enemy sows this bad seed, which became weeds. And in verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? I thought that was interesting. Have you ever had it where you felt like you did the right thing and then bad things happen? It could have been that actually it, was, it had nothing to do with what you did. I'm always telling people that all the time. Like sometimes you, you got to know just the recognition and acknowledgement that there is a spiritual enemy in your life can bring some understanding to some things that happen in your life. That just because we're saved, just because I love the Lord, doesn't mean the enemy's going to leave me alone. Matter of fact, now I'm on his radar. And some things are just going to happen in your field. And verse 28 says, the enemy did this. And he replied, the servants asked him, well, do you want us to go and pull him up? And Jesus said, no. Because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. This is important. This is a key culture message for our church. I'm going to explain why, but you got to get this from Jesus, okay? It's important. Let them both grow together. Everybody say together. Okay, let them grow together until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, and gather the wheat to bring them into my barn. Now, here's what's interesting. I didn't have to go to a commentary this week. I didn't have to go to Google. I didn't have to figure out logo software. I didn't have to go to some deep theologian to figure out what Jesus meant. He actually explains it. This is awesome because Jesus doesn't do this a lot. And he explains it in verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went in the house and disciples came to him and said what you and I would always say to him. Can you tell us what you were talking about? Because we kind of know, but we'd love to just hear from from the man himself. And he answered, the one who sowed good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. 
The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out. Everybody say weed out. Weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them in the burning, blazing, fiery furnace there will, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And whoever has ears, this is important, let them here today we're going to talk about weeds or wheat weeds or wheat let's pray father we thank you god for your your goodness for your glory god i thank you i thank you for your your consistent favor in our lives your faithfulness in our lives if i stop for just a moment and i think about every answered prayer You've been too good to us. And if you gave us nothing else, Lord, it would all have been worth it. If you gave us nothing else up to this point, I would serve you the rest of my life. And I pray that I, our hearts would be postured in a way today that would receive from you. God, I, I don't do this so that I sound good. I do this so that your message would go out and actually bring part impartation and transformation in the lives of people. And that's my prayer today as we continue on with service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 I've noticed um, this one key principle in my life, and maybe you've noticed this as well in yours, um, but it's, sum it's summarized in this one statement. How we hear determines what we do. How we hear something from someone, from mom, from dad, from brothers, from friends, from colleagues, from spouses, hello, from, from pastors, from God. How we hear determines what we do. It made me think of a funny joke that I heard, uh, a funny story the other day that I heard. There was a man and a wife, and they'd been married for several years, and they were getting older in age, and the man had started to lose his hearing. And so he, over time, started to lose his hearing one after day after the other, so where he could barely hear anything. And so eventually he gets to this point in his life where he's not feeling very good, and his health is kind of bad, bad, and he's not doing really well, so they go to the doctor together. and He brings his wife because his wife becomes his kind of translator to what he can hear because he just can't hear anything. And, and unless he's really, you know, they're really close to her, and, and she can whisper into his ear. And, and so they go to the doctor, and the doctor checks him out. And they get this diagnosis to come back. And so they come back into the office and the doctor sits with them and he says, well, listen, I've, I've, I've went ahead and examined your husband. He's going to need three things. She goes, okay, well, tell me and I'll let him know. And she goes, he goes, well, the first thing is, is I honestly, I noticed that his physical um, is what you feed him, what he's eating right now is not good. It's, it's actually not really healthy for him. We're going to need you to go ahead and make some home-cooked meals from him. You got to stop feeding him those microwave meals and you got to start doing some, some good home cooking. That's what he needs. Number two, he, he mentioned that, that his home, you know, his home is just not really clean all the time. There's not a lot of stuff and there's everywhere and there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, there's obviously, you know, he's not living in the best condition. So I'm going to need you. He said, you're going to need this for him to live. You're going to need to actually help clean the house a little bit more. She goes, okay, was well, there anything else? And he says, well, the final thing is, as he mentioned, I kind of watched it from a distance, but you don't really talk to him very nice. Like you're honestly very unkind to him. He needs positive 
reinforcement. You're going to need to speak nice to him, build him up, and just give him the best of your attitude. That You're just going to have to do that. She goes, okay, and they get in the car, and they drive home, and they're sitting around the dinner table, and, and uh, the, the, the husband reaches over to the wife and taps her on the, on the hand and says, what did, what did the doctor say about my, my health, my outlook? And she goes, well, it was pretty simple. Honestly, it was pretty clear. You're going to die. <laughs> uh, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> you're just dead man walking. That's it. You ain't going to make it. But it's, it's a silly joke to know, but like the truth is that's how we live our life. How we hear in that moment determined what she was going to do, or in her case, not going to do. Because how we, how we live our lives, how we hear things. In fact, the end of this parable, Jesus says, those who have ears, let them hear. You know what he was really saying? Are, how are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you listening? Like, are you really are you hearing what I'm saying? Because when I read this, now, here's what's interesting about the Bible. I don't know if you, like, so say you're a Christian in here. Maybe you're, you're not a Christian in here, and, and you read Bible verses. I don't know if you ever do this. Do you guys ever, like, grab the Bible and just go? And then you pull something out, and then you read this, and you're like, see, this is why I don't follow Jesus. <laughs> right? Like, we, we open up to different parts of the Bible, and you, you read this, and you're like, man, there's a lot of crazy things in here. And, and. And like, because you read what God says, it's how you hear. Some of you, only thing you heard in that verse, those set of verses, was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like, that's what stood out to you. Because maybe you came from like a background like I came from, where like it was full on weeping and gnashing of teeth. I tell people all the time, I was kind of sure there was a heaven, like 63% sure there was a heaven, but I was 1,000% sure there was a hell because all my preacher ever talked about was weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. Some of you heard the enemy sowed good seed. You're like, well, I know that to be true because I just do all the right things in my life, and the enemy ain't nothing but the... But he, yeah, my, my pastor used to be like, the devil ain't nothing but a lie. You know, you're like, he's a lie or a liar? Like, you know, he's a lie. Like, he encompasses the lie, and everything that bad happens in your life is the devil. So that verse stood out to you, and how you hear determines how you live. So because you think the enemy's always after you, you're always in fear, or you're always in, like, guilt, so you're trying to be good so that the enemy don't come after you. Some of you heard shine like the kingdom of heaven. You're like, I can't wait till God comes back and we just got to get out of this place. We're going to get on a spaceship and take off. It's going to be amazing. You know, you didn't read the Bible and Revelation actually talks about heaven, that it's going to be on this earth. It's going to be an extreme home makeover. It's going to be done. If you're still going to be here, it's just going to be different. But like how we hear determines what we, come on, determines what we do. It reminds me of a funny story. I was with my wife the other day and I was like, I tried on a new outfit. I love clothes. I just love them. And try on a new outfit. And typically this happens the opposite way. Like, ladies, you ask your husband, right? How do I look, honey? You know, and it's a trap, guys, right? It's a trap. <laughs> just don't ever have a pause. You know, if she ever asks you how she looks, good, great, amazing, <laughs> amazing. But I did the same thing with her. I said, hey, babe, like I tried on this outfit. And I was like, and I thought I looked, this is the hard part. I thought I looked really good. Like, anybody ever, can we be honest in here? Does anybody ever go to the mirror and then, like, you put something on and you're surprised how good you look? Anybody ever do that? Like, you're like, oh, man, this is powerful. My like, golly, I'm telling you right now. 
I'm ready to go out. You don't even have anywhere to go. You make up some place to go just to show off. So I walk up to my wife and I'm like, hey, babe, how do I look? And she does this, okay? This is how she does. She goes, well, you know, you look not, you look nice. And I, she did this with her hands. And I don't know about y'all, but like, I was like, <gasps> I sucked it in. I was like, but I've been losing weight. I work out, you know, and I lost it. She goes, no, I was trying to say you look muscular. I go, well, don't do this. You, this is not, this is not the universal sign of muscular, you know, and I imploded for the rest of the day. Why? Because how I heard, come on, it determined what what we do. And, and Jesus is explaining something really, really clear that he wants us to hear. There's right and wrong in the world. There's good and there's evil. Like, we're going to camp on this for just a minute because this is an important anti-cultural statement that I'm saying right now. There is, there is sin and no sin. There's light and there's dark. There's wheat and there's weeds. And, and we have to understand the, the, the contrasting differences of the two. You've got to get that in the kingdom. It's Everything is not okay. Just because it feels good doesn't make it right. Just be, This whole idea of like your truth is not my truth, that's the most demonic thing that could come from an enemy who sows weeds into wheat. There is a fundamental truth, regardless of what people say and think. There's true and there's lies. And, and, and I really believe that one of the cultural narratives that are being pushed into us in this world is the demonic idea that there is no good or bad. That there is no right or wrong. That there is no like light and dark. Y'all see it every day. Y'all know that. And Jesus is saying, in the context of the entire parable he's talking about, make no mistake, there are weeds and there are wheat. And if that's true, then it does lead us to a few things we, we kind of learn, I would say, from this particular parable. The first one is this. And if you're taking notes, this is a good thing to write down. Um. There's a difference between the wheat and the weeds, and it's found, listen, this is important, it's found in the seed. It's found in the seed. Here's what I noticed about wheat seeds. They don't have to try to be wheat. Weeds don't have to try to be weeds. Now, I know some of this is like basic idea, and I'm going to get to a revelation in just a second, okay? But like, I have to make sure we're clear about this. You do know. That if you plant wheat, you're going to get wheat, right? If you plant weeds, you are going to get 
weeds. The seed determines the harvest. It is what it is. And the true difference is simply this. Here's how you know what you're planting. Weeds, at the end of the day, bring death. Wheat, bring life. Weeds bring death. Wheat brings life. Let me give you the, compa- the comparing and contrasting difference between weeds and wheat. I'll give it to you right now. Here's what a weed really is. A weed that Jesus was mentioning inside this particular parable was actually called darnell. It looked like this. I'll show you, I'll show you what it looked like. It looked like this. Now, if you were to look at any p- picture of wheat in that day, it would almost look exactly the same. Here were the kind of comparable or ideas or thoughts or facts about Darnell in that time. Number one, it was illegal. You got to remember, this was an agricultural society. So there were farms stacked on farms, and that's how people made money. That's how people lived. That was, that was the primary source of income and economy inside that day and age. So it was illegal to sow Darnell into people's fields. Here's why. All those types of weeds that looked like wheat, when you ate them and made people feel nauseous, sick, ill, it was toxic, and it could actually kill you. It wasn't bad. It was evil. It wasn't like a difference of an opinion. It was evil that was toxic, that led to toxic thinking, that led to death. You guys got to get the understanding of this. This is real, real important. And the unique characteristic of this weed was that it was hard to tell the difference if you looked at it from the outside. It's hard to tell the difference. It looked just like wheat. But in the seed, it was a weed. It was a weed. It talked like wheat. But in the end, it was a weed. It looked like wheat. But in the end, it was a weed. It posted like wheat. I'm trying to get you to understand what I'm saying. It, it posted online with a video and a scripture and an emotion and passion. And it sounded like wheat. But it was a wheat. And, and Jesus' description of a wheat here wasn't to non-Christians. This wasn't to atheists. I know you're like, well, like your weeds are atheists. Weeds are anti-agnostic God, anti-God people. Like, right? Like that's what a weed is. No. Jesus was talking to Christians who said, you act like you know me, but when we really get down to it, your fruit makes people toxic. It feels, they make them nauseous and sick. It hurts those that are around them. Jesus was talking to us. Us as in the proclaiming Christians. And the question you have to ask yourself, is that you? Remember, I told you this message was going to be rough. It's going to make you think about you. This is not an elbow message. This is, is it me? In what areas of my life do I sound like a Christian and yet bring nausea to others around me? In what ways do I sound like 
wheat. I sound like a follower or disciple of Christ. I sound like I do the things of God, but I really, really, if you get down to my, the seed of my heart, I'm actually trying to hurt people. I'm actually trying to lead people astray. It always reminds me of these types of passages. One simple truth, that we all have a natural propensity to being a weed. Just so you know, you are not naturally wheat by nature. I'm kind of like bothering all the cultural narratives of the day for some reason today. But the world, in a lot of ways, would have you believe that you are naturally a good person. You are, by nature, good person. I used to say that all the time. If you just know my heart, maybe you're naturally a good person. Let's look what the Bible has to say. Romans chapter 5. Verse 12, this is just one area I just wanted to bring out to you. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world, this is Paul speaking to the Roman church, just as sin came into the world through one man and through and death through sin, remember, sin leads to death. That's why God hates sin. He doesn't hate fun. He hates sin because sin ultimately brings death into your life. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about because all children want to do the most dangerous, ridiculous things. And they would come up and argue with you about it. Dad, just let me... Will you just let me run into the street? It's fun, Dad. But I don't do it. Why? Because I care about their, their livelihood. It goes on to say, and so death spread to all men because how many have sinned? It's because some have sinned. Everybody who's not in the right denomination has sinned. Everybody who didn't grow up a Christian has sinned. Everybody who knows and reads the right translation from the Bible, then if you didn't do that, you've sinned. No, the Bible says all. And the Greek translation for all there, you want to know what it means? All. <laughs> it wasn't partial. It wasn't like a little bit. It wasn't like a few select. It was no, all have sinned. All have sinned. Our very nature is not good. We don't have to try at it. Your and our nature is to be a weed. I am too. And you know what's funny? Life will prove that to you. Because some of you are like, no, that's not true. Just look back on your week. Did naturally good things come out of you in some weird situations? The other day, I was playing golf. Because that's what I did. This is God's sport. And I had played such a good round. I, I, I was ready to join the PGA Tour. I thought I missed God. I thought I was supposed to be a pastor. Clearly, I'm supposed to be a golfer. I'm ready to put it in. And I uh, went home and told my wife. It was amazing. Next week, I played. And I played so bad that I quit three quarters through the round because I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm done. And the weather was bad and it was cold. So I was not really wanting to be out there anyway, but it was, I was done. I had a bad day driving in and I was with one of the guys in our church. And when I'm with somebody from the church, I feel the obligation to be pastoral and not Aaron oral. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like me. <laughs> and so um, I'm driving into my cart 
with this thing, and I drove past the area of the carts because I don't, there's this, basically this part of this area, it's hard to explain, but basically you have to drive to this one area. I didn't want to drive this one area, I wanted to drive to another area because it was easier for me to get my bag into my cart. It's not a big deal. I'd done it a thousand times. They know me there because, again, I play golf. And so I drive in, and um, this guy tried to flag me down and walk around. I'm, like, I'm good. I kept driving. So the guy comes up on me, and he goes, sir. And I was like, oh, it's on. Like, you don't know. I already had a bad day. You're pushing it. Like, you're going to push me over the edge, right? I forgot all pastoralness in me. And I was like, you want to go? Like, let's go. Sir, you can't drive over here. I was like, stop. I'm here all the time. And I had an argument with the guy about me breaking the rules. Like, I want to be clear about this. I was in the wrong. Has anybody ever broken a rule, got caught with it, and then argued against the very rule that you broke? Anybody else other than the pastor of this church? Okay, good. So I broke the rule. I'm arguing with the guy. I'm like, you don't understand. I need to come over here. I need the exception. Blah, 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 blah. I got in the car and I realized, man, I didn't have to try to do any of that. It came out pretty easy. Did anybody, real, anybody ever do something and you're like, wow, that was too easy for me to do and I'm real ashamed. Anybody else? Like, it comes out naturally, so I get it. I get the world tells you you're special and Disney tells you you can do anything and you're all princesses and you're all princes and everything's going to be great and you're naturally a good. If you wish upon a star, look to those inside your heart. No, no, no. No. You and I are weeds. By its very nature, we're in desperate, desperate need of transformation. Now, let's talk about wheat. Because wheat in the parable is explained as good seed. Here's what wheat is. You saw, I can't give you like the idea of what weeds are. I gave you a little breakdown. It's illegal. It makes people nauseous. It looks just like wheat. Here's what wheat really is. Wheat is versatile. It can be used in many different ways. Have you noticed that most of the stuff you and I eat that has a carb in it, right? Pretty much came from wheat. It can be a chip. Come on, somebody. It could be a piece of bread. Is there anything better in life than a fresh baked loaf of bread? Come on. I know all y'all, like if you have celiac disease in here, I'm so sorry for you because bread is amazing. Fresh cut cooked bread is amazing. It could be done in anything. It could be pasta. It could be, come on, y'all know you can, it's versatile. It could be used in many different ways. It grows anywhere. Scientifically, you can grow it just about anywhere in many different regions, grown all over the world. It's so easy to grow. Number three, it's a healthy food source. It actually can bring life to others. And the question you have to ask yourself yet again, is that you? Are you versatile? Can you be used anywhere? Or are you rigid? Are you inflexible? Is it your way or the highway? Can you follow the rules? Can you just park the golf cart where it's supposed to go? <laughs> Talking about if you're a weed or wheat. Can, how about this? Can you go anywhere, do anything? Can you grow in any place, in any situation, in any subject, in any topic? I like to say about myself, one of the things I can learn from anyone. 
Are you like that? Or do you have to have like just right parameters? Like, do you have to be at the church that just does everything just right the way that you want it to be? And the pastor has to look like and talk like and vote like and act like and dress like and be like the person that you are so you can grow? Is that how it works with you? Does your boss have to do everything they want you to do so that you can grow in the place that you're at? Does your spouse have to listen to everything that you say to them on a regular basis in order for you to grow in your life? Come on, I'm talking about are you a weed or are you wheat? I like this, the last one. Are you healthy foods? Do you just bring life to others? I just want to ask you a question. If you feel like you bring life to others, will you check your face? I see some of people walk in our church and they'd be like, I, you would think, you would think they're being tortured slowly. Someone's got some in their gut, like with a knife. They're walking in. <laughs> and I'm like, really? I mean, I get I'm not the greatest preacher, but is it that bad? We're not the greatest musicians, but is it that bad? Like, I know this isn't the greatest church, but is it that bad work? You can't say hi to folk. I'm not saying we're the nicest church, but I feel like we're fairly nice. And when someone says hello, do you really feel the appropriate response is... I watch it. And what's funny is other people are watching you, and those are the very people that look at the church and go, no one's nice here. I'm telling you that happens. No one cares about me. Dude, you walked in with a scowl on your face. You don't bring life to people. Last time I checked, that's a weed. You actually make people sick. I know this is, I want to tell you something good. I think I have it in my notes. The real question lies is how do you move from a weed to a wheat? First Peter 1 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. That the only way, I know it sounds, because I painted a really bad picture that you're a weed. <laughs> I left you on a lurch for a minute. It's worse than you think but God is better than you think. And it's only through Jesus' blood that saves you and I. It's why you and I need Jesus. It's why you need him. You don't need me. You don't need a church. You need Jesus, the living word of God. Number two is this. We got to discover that God's grace allows them to grow together. The whole point of this parable is God communicating to his followers that we must be okay with the tension of wheat and weeds growing together. I just described the nature of our church. The culture of our church, the feeling of our church, the idea of our church, the heart of our church is that wheat and weeds grow together. I made this slide. I just thought I'd share it to you. It's because I'm a visual person. I read books with pictures. So here, like, let me show you this. Um, there's, there's like a scale. And one extreme is where we self-righteously tear down anything that looks like a weed. There are a lot of people in this camp, 
by the way. A lot of them. A lot of them. I talk to them. They're in our church. They tend to be the ones that anytime I do anything that looks uh, worldly, it triggers. Trigger! Trigger! Ah! Why would you? Don't use a cultural reference. Use a Bible reference. I'm like, I am using a Bible reference. I'm using the culture to teach the Bible. Last time I checked, that's what Jesus did. And so those are the people, again, come in, and they're looking for something. They're looking for the weeds because the Bible says we got to pull them out. We got to let them know. We got to yank them out. Is the moment you see a weed, you better go get it and you self-righteously tear them down and pull them out. When you find it, you got to remove it. And you do it because the fear in your mind is, this is, I know this is, it's maybe elementary, but let me just give you the why most people think like that who are in that camp. The reason they think like that is because they think you're the one trying to do the righteous thing. They're the one doing the, self, the, the unrighteous thing, and you don't want them to get away with it. We're honest in here. That's how we think. We, we're, do, we're sacrificing. We're living for God. We're doing everything else. We don't watch rated R movies, and they watch rated R movies. And I'm telling you right now, that ain't right. And if I got to do it, they got to do it. That's how we think. And you can replace rated R movies with whatever you want. Drinking. Smoking. Talking to people. I mean, whatever. It don't matter. It don't matter. Whatever. Th- that line, by the way, that, that space is dependent. Everybody's line is different. It doesn't matter what it is. And you think they're going to get away with it. The other day, my son, Judah, he, um, <laughs> I love him. He's a good boy. But he uh, saw his brother do something wrong. And he felt like his responsibility under God (laughs) was to come and tell his dad what his brother did. He comes up. He goes, Dad, let me tell you what he did. He had outlined, like, in detail at 1,100 hours, Dad, (laughs) subject A walked in to subject B's room, did this, this, boom, boom, boom. I actually have it on videotape, Dad. I want to show you the evidence, and just wanted to give you, I submit this to the court that this this happened, and this happened. I just want to give you a head, and he did this. Just want to let you know so, you know, you can take care of it. <laughs> Which, by the way, happens to me and Pastor Jason at this church all the time. Hey, just heads up. Just want to let you know about this. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like, I'm looking for more work. Like, I'm really looking at, oh, thanks for doing that. I, man, we're backlogged here over here, you know, moving new buildings, Easter, restructuring the volunteer teams. Absolutely. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, thank, yeah, appreciate it. She comes in, he goes, later on, he goes, did you deal with it? I was like, Judah, why are you asking? I go, why are you asking me that? He, this is literally what he said. He goes, well, because I see him just, he don't seem like nothing happened. Well, I see, like, y'all know, like, I see, like, honestly, like, he don't, he looks too happy <laughs> that you dealt with it. You know what I'm saying? 
And I said, just because you don't see the punishment doesn't mean he got away with it. Church, just because you don't see somebody's punishment doesn't mean they're getting away with it. Last time I checked, my Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the end of the day, make, make no mistake, God is a just God. And you reap what you sow. So those who are in this extreme camp, just be careful. Just be careful. Just remember, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's, the, it's not the ripping up of their sin that leads them to repentance. It's not calling them out of their sin that leads them to repentance. I know that's like, there's a Christian thing. And I'm not saying you, you don't talk about sin. I just talked about it. But what leads men to repentance? The goodness of Bible says that Jesus would desire and require that no one would sin, would no one would fall short, no one would perish. That's his desire. Or you jump in the other camp, the other extreme, the other side of the scale. Is God shouldn't pull anyone out of the garden. That's what I call like like you probably heard this if you grew up in church, like that greasy grace flow, you know? You'd be like, it's everywhere. Oh, you just uh, it's all good. Grace. You sin, oh, it's all good. Grace. And eventually, if you go down that path long enough, you just think, well, anything's possible. If everything's possible, then why do we do anything wrong? Why should we live right if, every, if God's grace covers it all? Isn't that a good question? That's a question that comes from kids oftentimes, by the way. Teen teach teenagers about sin and death and the cross. This question always comes out. Then if there's grace, then what does it matter if I got to be good? If I got to get out of jail free card, what's the point of not trying to stay out of jail? And people believe like this, and they think, well, you shouldn't. And you say stuff like, well, they, you know, we know their sin, but you know, we don't address it because, you know, grace. Romans 6, Paul addresses it. He says, well, then, should we just keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? He addresses it. Let, let's, let me talk to you people in this camp for just a minute. No. It's pretty clear. Of course not. No. Grace is, listen to me, this is important. This is really important for theology. Grace, grace is biblical, Jesus-like grace is both saving and changing. What means it saves us. Yes, thank you for the grace of God. God, I'm saved by your grace. But it also changes us from the inside out. You're not a good person by nature. His grace comes in, changes you from the inside out. Thank you, God, for grace. But then the fruit that comes from you should be the result of that grace. And if it's not changing, if the fruit is not changing, then you're still a weed. And you have weed-like characteristics that ultimately bring about death. There needs to be some evidence. Come on. There needs to be evidence of change in your life. I like what Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. Jesus is saying the fruit is the result of what we've planted. And if you planted the Spirit of God in your life, you're going to have evidence of that. And I'm, I'm almost done. So what's, what's the right answer? So I, I call the Christ-like middle 
put that back up. And we're all in the garden growing together. So here's my, my plea to you as, as a pastor of this church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a scripture, and I'm going to give you a, a quick um, settlement in your soul where I would like us to posture ourselves. If you call this place home, this is who we are. And if, you, if this is not who you are, you're going to have a conversation with one of our leaders eventually. You just put, put it on the calendar. It's just going to happen. Because eventually we're going to say something. And we're going to be like, hey, this is not who we are. This is who we are. Matthew chapter 5, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Jesus was simply saying this. There's nothing wrong with living life with the hope that there are those that are around us who are weeds that will eventually become wheat. So yes, we are a church that has weeds amongst the crowd. And no, we're not going to go pick them out. And no, we're not just going to let it be. And yes, it's complicated. And yes, let me, can I teach you a word? There's nuance in the kingdom, which means following Jesus and especially leading his people is more art than it is science. Which means I don't create a rule and then I'm subjected to that rule every time a situation arises. Sometimes things adjust based on the situation. So there will be people in our church sometimes that are going to come in here and they're going to be struggling with sin. You need to be okay with that. You need to be okay with that. There are times when people are going to come into our church and are struggling with sin, are unrepentant. We're going to address it with church discipline. They will be removed. You need to be okay with that. Well, when is this and how is that? I don't know. Every situation is different. Oftentimes, it's the posture of their heart. Can they be pastored? Can they be loved? Can they be grown? Can they understand discipline? The Bible says to me, man, good parents discipline their kids. I'm a spiritual father. My job is to keep the family in order. My job is to make sure that there are those inside of our kingdom that, man, there's a tension there. And I'm going to have to be okay with the tension. Jesus is teaching. The whole point of the parable is he says, we let them grow up together. Because he had a chance. They asked him, Jesus, should we go get them? He said, no. And then he also mentioned an address. He said, man, should we just, oh, so we're just going to let weeds just grow in our garden. We're just going to let everything. We're just going to be good with everything that happens in the kingdom. We're, we're going to let the world come in here and be. No. At the end of the day, they're going to get pulled up. They're going to get judged. Things going to happen. What they plan is that which they will reap. Hello, come on. And he says, it's tension. There's tension. Everybody say tension. You got to be okay with the tension. It's much more complicated. It's much more like, it's just, it takes longer. It's harder. It's much more, you know, I got to have this conversation. I got to have this conversation. I would love to make a bunch of rules and say, boom, 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 boom. It's black and white, clear as crystal. Make it, make it happen. You either in, oh yeah, like, I would love to do that. It's way easier to do that. But Jesus' way is like, man, we got to have conversation. We got to talk about this. Man, we're going to see eye to eye on some things. Some things we're not going to see eye to eye on. Some way we're going to, sometimes you're going to be with us for a season, and then you're not going to be with us for a season. And I'm okay with that. Because Jesus' way is in the middle. It's growing together. I want to see, why do I do that? Because I want to see people who are weeds become wheat. That's what Jesus' hope was. That should be our hope.